And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 352. We're coming at you, as always, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. We're the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin and a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. My name is Tom Harris. Welcome along to the show. So this week, another shift of gears now that uh, Hercules Unbound is done forever. Yay. We are going to back to 1972, territory that we haven't actually plowed for a long time. Last time we did a show was in December of 2017, dealing with this original run. So here we are, and uh, let's go ahead and move along to our review. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. You'll behold in breathless wonder. And this week we are looking at The Mighty Thor number 202. August of 1972 is the cover date. Cover price is 20 cents. Cover art is by John Buscema, apparently inked by himself. And uh, the cover is one of those weird border covers that they had back during this time where you just kind of have a square where the artwork is and the rest of the cover is blank. But anyway, it has Thor and uh, Hogan and Sif, and they are fighting... Ego, Ego Prime, a sort of weird humanish version of Ego that's a big purpley version with kind of snake-like Medusa-y hair that's obviously prehensile from the way it's grabbing onto Hogan. Thor is trying to get Hogan free out of Ego's hair, like bubblegum stuck in somebody's hair. Anyway, he's blasting Ego with his hammer, Ray coming out of his hammer, and Sif is just looking kind of helpless and going, oh, help me, help me. And the cover blurb says, Ego Prime versus the Earth. And we open up to the splash page where we have the credits. Jerry Conway was the writer. John Buscema was the artist. Vinnie Coletta was the inker. And Artie Simek was the letterer. And we have Thor and gang. And by the, by the gang, I mean we have Tananiel, we have Balder, we have the Warriors 3. We have um, the old sea captain, Silas Grant. And we have Hildegard, who is another goddess-slash-Valkyrie type. Tenaniel is saying, And none dare stand against Ego Prime. And <laughs> Hogan is saying, Nay, speak for thyself, Rigelian. Hogan doth smell the stench of war. As doth the noble nose of Erstag. And yet, methinks, thou wouldst rather not heed its bitter scent. I've asked one. Hold thy tongue, woman, says Thor, because he's rude. Later I would know whence ye have come, thou, my lady Sif, and these others. Now we have no time, my lord, says Fandral, for I hear the thunder tread of Ego Prime. And we see the crystalline form of, of Ego Prime, such as it is. This is the sort of uh, 
pseudo Hulk thing, crystal thing that we've seen in the, the last couple of issues leading up to this. So this would have been uh, issue number 198, 199, and 201. The demon is striding ever closer, its body crackling with energies yet hidden. What manner of monster is this thing called Ego Prime? What grim nightmare didst thou create, Tananile? Uh, yeah, and uh, Sif is like, My lord Thor, she has told thee all. The creature is but a part of the entity called Ego, a mere section of the living planet itself. Verily thy words do tell me not, my lady Sif. Nay, I must test its meat myself. And he flings his hammer at the, uh, the, the crystal character, and it goes crack, and it bounces off. And there's a bunch of fragments of... I guess crystal or uh, rock or something being hurled at the, the group and Thor is kind of protecting his face against being bashed by all these rocks and he's like what magic this? The creature's skin repels my mystic mallet and then that selfsame moment there springs up a mighty maelstrom. To me my lady let my body shield thee from the storm's full force and Sif says oh my love I have felt this wind before on the planet called Black World on the galaxy's further rim there it did signal an unearthly change. Twas this, I think, which spirited us here to earth. And now I fear it doth portend another change. But not for us. Nay, of ego prime. And uh, yeah, so this crystalline creature is gone. And now we have this giant purple hulk, uh, which is the guy we saw on the cover. He's purple. He's got magenta eyes. He's got this sort of bluish grayish hair which is very Medusa-y and noodly, like this flying spaghetti monster. And he's wearing uh, light blue shorts. So where he got the shorts, no idea. The crystalline guy wasn't wearing shorts. Anyway, so he, I guess he was wearing them underneath all the crystal, I suppose. But anyway, <laughs> it says, For long days has it lived, a thing of unthinking stone, and yet in that time it has grown, drawing the very life essence from those living things around it, building and evolving within its crystal walls a complex chain of force. Force now released in a final burst of humanoid evolution, a burst which gives it the visage of a man. I am ego. I am power, the giant purple thing says. Thor, tis as I feared. Through some agency I may only guess, this creature has become... Like unto the gods themselves. And tis a province only we may safely inhabit. Thou must tell me more about this demon spawn, my lady. But first, who art thou truly, creature? And what be thy mission, says Thor? I am what I say I am, Asgardian. I am all that ego is, and ever was, and ever shall be. As to my mission, know this, my blonde-haired friend. The planet you call Earth suffers the same disease which once plagued my homeworld. Ego, blind and unthinking humanoid life, life that has become a festering infection. My plan, to conquer your world, and by so doing, to save the planet Earth. For once I have complete and total control of those mindless, endlessly propagating masses, I shall cause them to evolve, to evolve and grow without check or balance, and so they shall until their seething flesh forms struggling mountains, 
dunes of humanity greater than your highest peaks, and those mountains will become one with the earth. And it shows um, this all going on, and we see like this giant pile of people just growing ever taller, and then we see them being absorbed into the ground. Thus shall your planet survive, and when in time the entire solar system joins in the unceasing creation of the immortal bioverse, there will be peace in this galaxy once more. And we see, um, yeah, the ego's head is surrounded by uh, uh, a bunch of Kirby space. And yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's not like Earth is that significant in the grand scheme of things, but maybe it is in this issue. And uh, we go down to the next page where we have Balder and Thor, and they are confronting ego's foot. <laughs> and Balder says, and prithee, what of us, while these noble plans summarily unfold? Yea, do you think we mindless pawns, says Thor, with no single voice to raise in protest? Not pawns, but the most pitiable of insects. And there's a giant energy blast from underground, which blows Thor aside. He says, your voice means nothing to Ego Prime. And we shift to Hogan, who is nearby. He's climbing up a building, um, and he looks like he's going to try to attack Ego Prime from above. And he's thinking to himself, Stars, both Thor and Brave Balder do fall beneath the creature's arcane eye blasts. I like it not, but it appears I have no choice. Grim Hogan must make the first attack alone, and pray Odin my hand be swift. And he jumps off the building, and he's trying to jump onto Ego's head, and he says... Look thee to the sky, demon. Tis there thy fate awaits thee. And he lands on, on Ego's head, and he's getting ready to bash him with his, uh, his mace. Uh, but, the, but Ego's hair comes out and grabs him. He says, What? No words of anger? Where be thy sense of battle, monster? Let's hear thee cry for war. No need, godling, for I've more eloquent ways to speak. And the hair grabs a hold of him, and, and he says, The monster's hair. "'Tis unearthly alive. It traps me and holds me like a vice. By the goddess of death! No!' And Thor uh, doesn't like what he's seeing here, and he starts whipping his hammer around. He says, "'Bold Hogan doth let his spirit steal his sense. Yet I share his anguish, that taste of bitter helplessness. Aye, tis a feeling even gods may know. Take heart, bold friend. Thou hast not been abandoned, and Thor takes off flying, and he's coming to, uh, to Ego to free, um, to free Hogan from, him, from Ego's hair. And he says, And while yet the God of Thunder lives, thou never shalt. And he blasts Ego's uh, head with the hammer, with a ray coming out of the hammer. This is very similar to the scene that happened on the cover. There's a giant Kazak. and he grabs Hogan, carries him away, and in the process, Ego is kind of staggered and he's destroying a chimney on one of the buildings nearby and and yeah thor is flying away blinded by thor's unexpected onslaught the creature known as ego prime reels sightless it strikes out concrete shatters like eggshell and then it's when its sight returns the demon roars fool that i was i'd not anticipated conflict yet conflict there is and so i must attack and he takes his eye beams and he blasts the people in the street who are just kind of hanging around because, you know, they're still hanging around and they wouldn't have run away like there's something dangerous going on, would they? Anyway, he blasts them and uh, they are transformed into these kind of gloopy looking slime monster kind of things. Anyway, it says, 
Attack in the only way I know. It says, for one terrible instant, these people twist. Their bodies churn with some inner turmoil. And then, mercifully, they seem to vanish, swallowed by an all-consuming light, a radiance which conceals their nightmare work performed. Their screams of terror are brief and silenced. Yet on some, those screams were never born. For some have no mouths, and some no eyes, but all. All are monsters. Yeah, so we have these evil, gloopy monsters, and they're attacking uh, the Warriors 3. And the evil monsters are in bright primary colors, much like plastic dinosaurs. So, yeah, we got an orange one and a yellow one and a pale green one and a dark green one. And it looks like in the background there's a red one, uh, kind of brownish red one as well. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, so they're attacking uh, Fandral, Balder, and Hildegard. Odin's blood, says Balder. By his magic, Ego hath changed them into demons. It's magic I've seen before, says Hildegard, on the planet we called Black World. Tell us later, Hildegard, for now methinks we must fight. And fight well, my friends, lest we die. And they're fighting along. And uh, we have uh, Volstagg, and he's sort of hiding behind the corner. And um, yeah, he's kind of keeping away from the rocks that are flying around. says here, but one there is who doesn't fight, who seeks a fair distance from those who battle. Tis not fear which makes him tremble so, tis instead perhaps the cold. And if not the cold, then what he sees below, when he turns his eyes westward and peers through sweating lids at a sight scarcely a block away. Zounds, says Volstagg. Tis one thing to stand aside while gods contend with demons. And yet another to watch an innocent child die. And he sees these uh, brightly colored monsters. They're coming after this little girl. And uh, the girl has a, a doll. And, and she says, Please don't be afraid, Missy Pompadour. I'll protect you. I promise I will. And Volstagg, he's seen enough. He's like, I'm going to go save this kid. And he goes wading into the, uh, the group of monsters. And he's just kind of barreling through like a... Yeah, like a very large bull charging through and knocking all these creatures aside. And he says, Back, hounds of Hades, tis voluminous Volstagg thou dost battle now. He grabs the little girl and picks her up, and we get a gratuitous upskirt shot of, of the little girl. Be careful with Missy Pompadour, mister. She's not used to running around. Fear not, child, for in truth, neither am I. And we shift scenes to where Tan and Nile and the old sea captain guy, they're fighting the monsters as well. And one of the monsters has got Tan and Nile around the neck. The sea captain's rushing forward with a club in his hand, and, and she's going, Silas Grant, I need your aid. And you'll have it, lass. Though I've no mind why I should be aiding you, seeing as what you did to me people and me whole blinking world. And uh, we get a reference back to 198 through 201. You know the answer to that as well as I do, old man. Aye, sad to say. I know you didn't mean to have me people die. But what's done is done, and I guess letting you die wouldn't bring them back. Come on, lass. I think the others need our help. And we ship back to Balder, and he's fighting against the monsters, and they're kind of a bunch of them. One, one of them looks a little bit like the Abomination, uh, the one behind him. And he's like... Uh, and one of those others, one, the brave Balder, fights against unseemly odds just short yards away. Uh, monsters are kind of overwhelmed Balder, and they're kind of holding him down the ground. And we see that he's, uh, he's having a daydream about, uh, about Carnilla. 
It says, unable to use his sword because of the true nature of those who attack him, Baldur is brought swiftly down. But even as the darkness falls, his thoughts return to Asgard and the woman he dares not love. Yeah, so that's why he's thinking about Carnilla. Whilst other men think of other things, and we shift to Fandral, who's dodging rocks, and he's thinking to himself, there rings the tone of a hidden plan in all of this, and yet, try as my brain might, I cannot conceive of Odin's design. Design in chaos such as this? Nay, the thought turns away. And yet, um, we have uh, Hildegard, and she's turning over a, a car, Got a, uh, pushing back some of these monsters with a, with a blue car. And we see Thor. He's fighting against Ego Prime, still blasting him with the ray from his hammer. It looks like it's uh, staggering Ego Prime a little bit, but Ego Prime is kind of fighting back through the sort of green energy. And, and Sif is saying, My love, the creature doth grow larger, as though with every blast of thy hammer. He doth feed on its mystical energy, says Thor. Yet still we must battle, Milady Sif. Not else dare we do, save pray Odin's eyes see us soon and sends us his aid. And we shift to Asgard and Odin's cosmic voyeuroscope, and we have the vizier, and he's watching what's going on in this battle, and he says, I can stay silent no longer. The noble Thor must needs be told, else tragedy most cosmic shall befall Odin's only son. But yet dare I, but a lowly vizier, do what Odin commands be left undone? Nay, else I betray my trust. But there must be a way. Perhaps if I turn to the All-Father himself. A vizier goes rushing off towards Odin's throne room, and he runs into a guard, and the guard says, Hold, Greybeard, what be thy desire herein? None may disturb Odin at this hour. But tis about his noble son. Save thy speech, ancient one. Thou may not enter. And he is rebuffed, and the vizier goes off, and uh, he's uh, thinking to himself, So does blind obedience thwart its purpose. They would better serve their master with less unquestioning faith. And a arm reaches out and grabs the vizier's shoulder, an uh, arm that is clad in a red tunic of some kind. Thou dost speak words to mine own heart, vizier. Come, let us talk, thee and me. And... The vizier says, Thou, be it safe for thee here, milady? Safe? Safe enough, I suppose. For a time my war with Odin has reached a stalemate. I be welcome in Asgard, but tis a wary welcome on both our parts. For Carnilla is a careful woman, and a careful Norn queen. But tis not this which doth concern me. Tell me of Balder, him who is my love. Milady. I fear the news will be unpleasant for thine ears. Then speak softly, but speak. And we, we have a shot here of, of the Rainbow Bridge going off into space and kind of a general shot of the city. Balder and his companions be on earth, Norn Queen, and they do battle the creature known as Ego Prime. But, milady, tis a fight they cannot win. Yea, milady, such is their destined fate, for such has Odin decreed. Then all is lost, says Carnilla. These months of hope that Balder might come to love me of his own will, were they so brutally wasted. No, thou dost lie, vizier. Say thou dost lie. And she looks like she's crying a little bit. Milady, though my soul cries out to please thee, I cannot. 
And we shift scenes to Odin's chamber, and he's holding a chess piece in his hand. It's a, it's actually just kind of an action figure of a guard on a horse. It says here, In the chamber royal, these and other words do not go unheard. As a tall, white-bearded god returns to a candlelit table, his thoughts in a turmoil. Mayhap they speak rightly. More rightly than they know, says Odin. But if they knew the truth, their fears would rage more wildly still. For Odin doth play chess with the lives of gods and men. And we get a full page of Odin. A nice little splash here. Odin, and he's got uh, his various chess pieces. We have one that looks like the vizier. We've got one that's like a guard on a horse. We've got a guy with a big lance. Uh, we've got one that is clearly supposed to be Odin himself. Yeah, so it's a nice little pinup here. Uh, though it's, it's inked by Coletta, and yeah, it's kind of because of that kind of spare. Anyway, the caption says, He is silent then, and for a time he merely stares at the board before him. Finally, he rises and turns to a vast, gilded window, and what his brooding eyes see on the planet Earth, mortals are not destined to know. And we shift back to Earth, and we are in New York City again, and uh, we got a, a building here. The address is 642. I don't know what the, uh, yeah, uh, the street is, but uh, there's like three uh, black kids hanging out on the stoop. One of them says, hey, Waldo, catch that uptown caddy? Will you look at the dude climbing out of it? My man, there's one old crock with guts. And it is Heimdall and his dwarf uh, servant, as we've seen before. Know ye where I may find the men called Kimball? Jackson Kimball? Try apartment six, man. If Jackie's anywhere, it's there. And so uh, Balder goes up and he knocks on the door with the number six on it. And Heimdall says, Apparently our quest is almost over, Camor. Twill be good to stand guard once more over the fabled gates of Asgard. Travel suits not my temperament. Master Heimdall, Camor senses danger. Now! And there are bullets bursting out from the, uh, the door with a crack, pa-ching, pa-crack. And uh, Heimdall says, gunshots. It appears we were anticipated, my friend. Now, says Camor. And uh, Heimdall goes bursting through the door, uh, superhero-like with a plump. And he, he bursts the door down. He says, speak, young man, and whilst thou do, set down thy weapon. And prithee be swift. And there's a, a black guy behind the door. And he says, good lord, you're not Baker? I could have... Baker, the name is unfamiliar to me, says Heimdall. What difference does it make? I almost killed you. Would have killed him. Lord, what did I try to do? And he's, he's all upset. And uh, Heimdall says, calm thyself, man. Apparently this man Baker is a threat to thee. True? You don't know the half of it, friend. I made a mistake once. Borrowed money from Baker. Now he's trying to waste me. The, the voice comes. And Baker will, Jackie boy. You and the old geezer, unless he keeps his trap shut. Got the dough, Jackie? Do I have to squeeze it a little bit? And he's uh, there. He's uh, this uh, red-haired guy wearing a turtleneck sweater and this kind of weird overcoat kind of jacket thing. Uh, he's got three thugs with him. One looks like the absorbing man. One is kind of your generic mob mobster in a striped suit and fedora. And the other guy looks like he could just be a street thug in there. They all have guns. Thou shalt do neither, Gunsel, says Heimdall. And he blasts uh, Baker with a, uh, a blast from his walking stick. It's sort of a fire. 
I need this man on a higher matter. So speaks Heimdall, warrior of Asgard. And the, the, the thugs are like, Hey, Benji, how'd he do that to the boss? Dunno. Must have had some kind of a settling torch up that cane of his. But they ain't gonna keep me from plugging him one. And uh, the, the dwarf has, has, has grabbed uh, the, the Benji's arm and he's like, Nay, Blackguard, that will not. And he's pulling on his, his arm and he says, Yeah, Runt, and who will stop me? Some half pint Shakespeare, I'll break you. And he's gonna pistol whip him, but the dwarf catches his arm and he does this sort of judo throw. Uh, throws him over his head, and the guy's like, hey, what you doing? Put me down. Don't, don't. We are Wally, catch me. And he throws um, Benji into Leo and Wally, who are outside the door, and they all go kind of tumbling down the stairs with a crump. And, yeah, so he goes, uh, the dwarf servant goes, they are done, Master Heimdall. We shall not be bothered again. Krabs, did you see what that little guy did? He just took hold of them and... My companion is a man of unusual quality, says Heimdall. But come, it is time we join the others. Others? I assure thee, friend Kimball, all thy questions will be answered in time. For the nonce, trust me, and let us all be gone. And the three of them go out of the building, and we shift scenes back to the fight going on uh, with all the uh, very colorful demon people. And it looks like we still have the Warriors three in the battle. And I see Hildegard here and Balder. You know, they're, all, they're all doing well in their fight. And Heimdall is uh, saying, Balder, my brother, need the aid? Speak and tis thine. Nay, Hogan, stay thy hand and save its strength for thyself. We have enough battle for the both of us without twinning our fights in two. And we switch to Thor, who is fighting Ego Prime. And this is still going on, too. Why do you persist, Nat? Why go on against all hope? And we have Thor looking like he's jumping into Ego Prime's mouth. I, he's standing on his lower lip, so it's kind of a weird thing. And he's got some of his mustache hair in his hand, like he's, uh, he's climbing up his face. It's, it's very strange. Hope? Speak not to me of hope, monster, says Thor. Thou whose only future lies in destruction whose goal requires the deaths of countless humans. What can thou truly know of hope? For thee, life is but a futile growth, a cancer to be cleansed. And he's actually, yeah, he's, he's actually standing in Ego Prime's mouth, and he takes the hammer and he shoots an energy beam out of the hammer into Ego Prime's mouth with a zack. And uh, Ego Prime doesn't like that, but he uh, kind of there's smoke coming out of his mouth now and he, Thor goes flying off and he says, Verily, monster, I pity thee. You pity me? I who have lived as you can never live. Hear me, immortal. Ego lives a thousand lives. And every life he touches, he joins. And every life he joins, he changes. Thunder God, behold. And Ego shoots these eye beams out of his eyes again. And he is um, attacking ants with his I-beams this time. Uh, we see ants in the, uh, in the gutter, and they're uh, carrying a cigarette butt down to their lair, apparently. It says, Those lowly creatures you call ants, beneath your notice, below your very thoughts. And yet ego sees them. Ego knows them. And through ego, 
They are transformed, and the ants grow, and they are giant ants now, and they're bigger than cars, and yes, so they're attacking too. That is why ego must prevail, for his eyes seek out all the forms of life, and he makes those forms his own. And the giant ants are attacking the Warriors 3 and company, because apparently they've defeated all the colorful sort of Gumby Play-Doh people. Now, Hogan, says Balder, now we've meat for our blades. We need fear harming no human flesh, not with these demons. Yea, and of us all, but Hogan be first to strike. And he does with his mace, and he bashes one of these ants, and uh, yeah. Tis a simple boon, but tis already thine, says Balder. How about the monsters? And they're attacking these giant ants, and they're attacking back. And Hildegard is there, and she uh, is trying to uh, kind of tear the one of these ants' uh, pinchers apart with her fists. Hildegard needs no weapons. Her strength be all enough alone. Fight as thou wilt, warriors, with thy mace and thy bloody blade. Though at times I could both use a sword or staff. At times like these, methinks. And <laughs> she's uh, being carried away by one of the ants. And a voice says, Take heart, woman. In but the briefest breath I'll be at thy side. And of course it is uh, Fandral. And then Fandral, thou shalt have thy sword twice over. Wait, the vehicle doth shake, doth twist and topple. And it's because he was standing on top of a car and now the ants are picking up the car. So that's, uh, yeah, it's a problem. Stars, I am undone, says Fandral, because he's now on the ground. He drops his sword and there's a giant ant uh, between him and the sword. The sword, too distant for my grasp to gain. And let the end be swift, as doth befit a warrior born of Asgard. Uh, <laughs> and we have a reaction shot from Thor here, and he's like, Fandral, nay, he be not dead, but merely unconscious. Yet those about him, noble warriors, all lie still, lie unbreathing. And Ego Prime is, is getting bigger, and he's now as tall as most of the buildings around, and he's uh, coming after Thor and Sif. Do you not yet understand, Asgardian? There can be no escape from Ego Prime. Curse the word, foul one. The Thunder God shall ne'er seek escape when still his heart doth beat and still his hand is firm. Then I'll unfirm your hand and I'll still the beat of your heart. For more than mere living things do I control. The very earth is mine to command. And for such am I called Ego Prime. And the I-beams hit the rocks, and the rocks come alive. And they are swarming around Thor like insects, and kind of kind of caking around him, trying to bury him inside a giant rock pile. And um, because Thor has to speak the obvious, he says, By Odin's silver beard, the very rocks of the earth devour me. Have I fought a battle so wrong that the land itself moves in blind protest? No, you just heard Ego say he was doing it. Anyway, um, so Thor's trying to burst his way out, and it's not working so well. He's kind of th throwing rocks off where he can, but it looks like he is being crushed. And it says here, No sooner are these last words done that the god of thunder grows unduly silent. His chest heaves, his eyes close, and his fingers sightlessly claw for air he can no longer breathe. And Sif looks aghast by all this. And, you know, Sif has not been fighting back against any of this. So I guess she's just the damsel in distress here now. Lord Thor, no, no. 
and we get the uh, last panel here is a shot of, of Ego Prime's face up close. And he says, So it ends, and in the passing of one era, another is born on you. Next issue, Metamorphosis, and that is Thor number 202. And we'll be talking all about this after this message. Star Trek. Comic books. Mythology. Video games. Toys. Star Wars. Just about any geeky topic you can think of could be covered on the Hammer Podcast. Presented by Two True Freaks. Come join me, Gene Hendricks, for whatever my disjointed mental processes can come up with. And be careful, or you might just learn something before we're done. The Hammer Podcast is available monthly, both on its own iTunes feed and at twotruefreaks.com. And thank you, Gene Hendricks. And you should all go listen to the Hammer podcasts and, of course, read Gene's blog, The Hammer Strikes. All right, so let's talk about Thor number 202. All right, so what a change from Hercules Unbound. I mean, here we have kind of a, a well-put-together story. It's not the most wonderful story in the world. Let's face it. It's a battle issue. It's mostly just fighting. I'm pretty bored by most of those all action issues unless it's done in a really interesting way this is not done in a really interesting way here the b plot that we had running through the storyline before is now the a plot and so now we have this this story with odin whatever is going on with him shifting to be the b plot and now we have this big fight against ego prime and thor and company caught up in the middle of it in new york city Again, motivations rather unclear. What's, what does Ego Prime want? Yeah, we really just kind of don't know. He just wants to get rid of the, the humanoid life inhabiting the Earth. Yeah, that's a way to go about it. I mean, have you tried Raid? I mean, yeah, the, there's, there's any number of ways that he could have done this much more efficiently than changing into a 50-foot-tall giant and stomping around New York. But hey, I mean, you know, I'm not the editor, so what do I know? Um, so yeah, artwork is generally, it's pretty good, fairly solid, and as far as it goes, John B. Sema. I mean, you know, he is one of the great pencilers of, of Thor. I'm not crazy about Coletta's inks. I've never been a big fan of Coletta, but it's um, it's not the best match. I mean, it doesn't seem like he's adversely affecting the pencils all that much, but it's just not a good style for, for Coletta. I can see Coletta on Tusca, you know, a, a penciler like that or... Um, Maybe not Gene Colan, but but you know some sort of a penciler that has kind of a a looser style to begin with. Buscema, I think, needs a needs a Chick Stone or or a, a Joe Sinnott inking him rather than than Coletta. So it's not entirely to my satisfaction, but here it is. I mean, you know, and and it's not all that bad. I mean, it, it, it's really just kind of a nitpick. Um, yeah, nineteen seventy two. Not not a high point for this book, I must say, but uh, at least we have you know, a story that's vaguely engaging. A little bit of a subplot here with Carnilla. I have a feeling that's going to turn out to be important in the next couple of issues. 
and we'll see what happens. All right, so don't have a whole lot much else to say about the issue. Once again, folks, thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate it. And of course, if you want to email the show, you can do so. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Just look for Radio Free Asgard there, and you will find us. And with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard, and we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard. <laughs>